Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, but before we do, Eric, do you have something for us to do? Yes, it's one of our favorite segments, and I don't have the sound effects panel in the podcast studio today, but ladies and gentlemen, it is time for... Time ambiguous banter about summer activities that may or may not have happened last week because we record these podcast episodes a few weeks in advance. Clayton, yeah, how was your vacation? Oh, it was, it was vacationy. We we went things and did did places. <laughs> My children were behaved and misbehaved, and Liar. we ate stuff. <laughs> it was sunny. <laughs> I was going to say, when he said his kids were, were well-behaved, I was like, what? I didn't know part of Time Ambiguous Banter was just a complete departure from grammar. <laughs> yeah. It's vacation. It, yeah, vacation. You, you're not recuperating. Nikki, how were your summer activities My last summer week? activities were really good. I, I did a bunch of like little mini trips to and from places. You know, I didn't go far places. I just went close places. You mean like, like, like the store? Yeah. Well, did, they feel, ki- did they feel I, summery? I definitely did go to the store. Yes, it did. It did feel summery. I like to uh, to sit in the sun, but in the shade at the same time. <laughs> Not directly in the sun, but in the sun, in the shade. That's my jam. <laughs> do you? This continues to be the dumbest segment we do of all our episodes. Do you also order uh, Arnold Palmer's? Are you a half iced tea, half lemonade person? I'm not. I don't actually like those. Oh, I, I don't order them because I can't pronounce it. Oh, I, I can't Arnold, either. Arnold Palmer. <laughs> it's too many R's and L's. My Ar- mouth. Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> My mouth does this weird thing when I go to pronounce it, and then the words just don't come out. Arnold Palmer. Ar- Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Arnold Palmer. There we go. Eric. He he said you, it really how, easily, though. Did you catch that? Like, it was very yeah, no, quick. Say it again. Arnold Palmer? Yeah. <laughs> Arnold. Oh, Make your mouth smaller when you say it. Arnold Palmer. No, nope, it doesn't work. <laughs> Eric, how, how, how are your summer activities? I had a wonderful vacation with my family. Mm-hmm. Nothing went wrong. Everyone was well behaved. And it was as perfect a week as I have ever experienced in my wow. entire life. That's amazing. Wow. Did you Way do any go. piddling? Yeah, did you? There was no piddling. No. Okay. No, because I was on vacation. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this has been Time Ambiguous Banter about summer activities that may or may not have happened last week because we record these podcast episodes a few weeks in advance. Nikki? So, Clayton, you're All a right. comma guy. What are we talking about? Well, uh, Can I just point out the fact that I did sound effects You did that? sound effects for that. Okay. Way to go. Yeah. This, is, this harkens back to like the first few episodes this is, when this we is, didn't have sound effects it's very true. and we just said what? That's a throwback. It's very true. All right, what well, are we talking after, about? After that, we are, uh, we're going to be talking about... The destruction of Israel. So um, let's get into it. Um, here's here's the context. So the, the C and comma uh, is context. And uh, if you have been following along thus far, you realize that we've been telling the story of Israel and it is a slow motion train crash. Like it is, it is, you know, something bad is coming because things keep, you know, the prophets keep saying you're doing it wrong. The, the author of the book keeps saying they were, you know, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They did evil. There's warning after warning and something's about to happen. And here's where it happens. Okay. So this is, um, the culmination of the Northern Kingdom story. 
so the the you know, there's a southern kingdom Judah, northern kingdom Israel, um, and Israel's gotten to the end of the rope with God, and God says, "All right, I'm going to keep my threat, and I'm going to I'm going to take you away from the land." And so this is what's going to happen. Um, a thing that helps in terms of international context. Okay, there's kind of three big superpowers around Israel. There is the superpower of Egypt, kind of to the south. There is the superpower of Assyria and the superpower of Babylon. And at different times during the, the story of Kings, uh, each one of those kind of, you know, takes the, takes the lead. So for a while it was Egypt. And then after a while, Assyria kind of comes to power. And a little bit later from now, Babylon's going to come to power. So we're right at the point where Assyria is coming in and, and dominating the landscape. Um, but Egypt's still around. And so there's kind of, you know, kind of a, a power that's there to balance them out. And so Israel's caught in between them. So that'll help a little bit with the context. So uh, Eric, why don't you read to us uh, 2 Kings chapter 17? I'm trying to decide as I get ready to read what's harder to say. Arnold Palmer or Shalmanazer. Shalmanazer <laughs> is much easier than Arnold Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> so much effort. Like there's a lot of work. You this, can't see you it, but it was a lot of work. You should see my body language with this. Like this I gotta get This needs to be a video out. podcast at some point. <laughs> All right, here we go. In the 12th year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria. And he reigned nine years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not like the kings of Israel who preceded him. Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up to attack Hoshea, who had been Shalmaneser's vassal and had paid him tribute. But the king of Assyria discovered that Hoshea was a traitor, for he had sent envoys to So, king of Egypt, and he no longer paid tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore, Shalmaneser seized him and put him in prison. The king of Assyria invaded the entire land, marched against Samaria, and laid siege to it for three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Hala in Gozan on the Habor River in the towns of the Medes. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshiped other gods and followed the practices of the nations. The Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. From watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves high places in all their towns. They set up sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. At every high place, they burned incense as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that aroused the Lord's anger. They worshiped idols, though the Lord had said, you shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their ancestors, who did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned them to keep. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. They forsook all the commands of the Lord their God and made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and an Asherah pole. 
They bowed down to all the starry hosts and they worshiped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination and sought omens and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left. And even Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Therefore, the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He afflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunderers until he thrust them from his presence. And when he tore Israel away from the house of David, they made Jeroboam, son of Nebat, their king. Jeroboam enticed Israel away from following the Lord and caused them to commit a great sin. The Israelites persisted in all the sins of Jeroboam and did not turn away from them until the Lord removed them from his presence as he had warned through all his servants, the prophets. So the people of Israel were taken from their homeland into exile in Assyria, and they are still there. All right. The next step in comma is O for observations. And like we've uh, done many times, we are looking for uh, all sorts of different things, repeating words, truths about God, themes, things that are striking. So what did you guys see in this passage? Well, the the first two things that stood out to me, um, the first one I thought was interesting was in verse two. He said, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not like the kings of Israel who preceded him. So what was different? Yeah, it's a, it's a curious comment, right? Like that, that when you're making the case, they really deserve this. Because that's kind of, you know, like kind of one of the big points is like, no, they had to come in to say the very last guy wasn't quite as bad. Yeah. Bad, but you know, <laughs> we had worse. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. You know, and then in verse nine, it says the Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. And I thought to myself, I really I wrote just these initials PSH, like psh. Yeah. <laughs> that was that's the noise, and I thought like psh, secretly, like whatever. Yeah, it's like it's like when a kid covers their eyes and they're like, you can't see me because yeah. I can't see you. Like secretly did things. So I, I just thought that was, that was like it not, needs a parenthetical reference, or so they thought. Yeah, yeah. so they say. thought right. Uh, so that, that, those were just two interesting things that stood out to me. Like, okay, really? What is striking is the list of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing so as a whole. Bad. <laughs> Man. I, I'm struck by all the ways they should have known better. So like uh, they start off by saying all the things that God did for him. Like he rescued you out of Egypt. He did this stuff. And then it talks about there were other nations around who did exactly what you did and they got kicked out. And then there were prophets and like all of these different things that uh, Israel had plenty of reason to think, I know exactly what I need to do. I know exactly what the consequences will be. And they still didn't listen. It wasn't uh, ignorantly stumbling into something. It wasn't kind of well-meaning, but messed up. It wasn't, you know, like this gradual path of, well, we, we kind of ended up someplace we didn't intend to go. Like every step along the way, they had reason to know they should turn back. Yeah, verse 13, the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all all his prophets and seers, not just one, multiple, all the way throughout the story, constantly prophets and people reminding, warning. It reminds me of the parable in the New Testament that Jesus teaches about the, the workers in the vineyard and the the owner of the vineyard keeps sending people to them and they keep beating them and killing them and sending them away. And then finally he says, I'll send my son. Sure, certainly they'll treat him better. Uh, that, that's what this reminded me of is God all throughout history has been sending his people, the prophets, 
to warn, to deliver messages. Uh, this is, man, striking when we talk about observations and looking for certain things. This is, the whole thing is very striking to me. I think what's interesting to me is like when you, when you look at that list, right, it says, it says like high places, sacred stones. How do you say it? Ashra poles? And then like all of these ways that like they went out of their way to set up places of worship, uh, to focus their attention, their time, essentially like their entire beings on anything other than God. And and it's all these like inanimate things, right? Like God was like this living, breathing, moving, speaking being in their lives, uh, but yet they they focus their attention on, on everything else but that. This might be a bad analogy. Okay. So you guys can you can tell me if it's a, if if it is in fact a bad one or not. But here here's what came to my mind. In the raising of my kids, if my kids are if they're just disobedient, like no matter how much I warned them, no matter how much I said no, this is the agreement we have, this is how the family functions, like and they're just disobedient. There's a certain level of pain I would experience as a father. Like why won't my kids just engage the way I'm asking them to engage? But there's another level. So if I went to the dinner table and there was like, I don't know, a scarecrow. This I know. I know. I thought you tell me if this is a bad analogy. In in my chair is a scarecrow. And I ask, what the heck is this? Hmm. And my kids say, We've decided that we don't want you as our father anymore. We would rather have that scarecrow. Wow. How that works. That would Mm -hmm. be the insult of that. It's one thing to disobey me. It's another thing to say, we don't want you as our father anymore. Yeah. When I when we're going yeah. through this, yeah, that's... and you talk about why God detests idols so much, it's because it's not just disobedience. It's rejecting God and saying, We don't want you as our God. Yeah. And we know we know all the stuff you've done. Yeah. But we want this as our God. Yeah. Well, and that that comes up with the when it talks about the covenant, sometimes a covenant is a word that feels like, oh, it's just kind of this abstract thing. Well, what you should think is uh, a, a promise that makes family. So it's either uh, marriage or adoption, right? Those are the covenants we have. So it's as if God entered into one of those kinds of relationships, adopted us as his children or married us. And and on the other end of that covenant, after being with him for a while, we said, you're not my dad or I don't, you know, I don't want to be married anymore or whatever. Like the, these, that kind of rejection is what's there. So that's, yeah, no, that's a good analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was struck by verse 15, they followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. Like that's, that's a zinger of a line. Like that's, that's, that's a preacher right there. Um, Cause there, there is that. And it's so insightful too, because I, I heard someone say like, you become like what you worship, you know, like you give your attention to something and it shapes what you care about and what you do and you know, kind of how you function. The more you like, look at, you know, this amazing thing, the more you imitate it. And so, uh, for them to say this is what we want, they're like they're not just making a pragmatic choice. They're they're like embracing something that's gonna like turn them into something else. You know what I mean? And so like that's a that's a tremendous warning to say what what you give your heart to isn't just a like well I prefer this right now. Like no, it's you're becoming that. Like I, I you get down to the specific things of like someone who's like I'm all about money. Well, have you ever inter- interacted with someone? Like they almost filter everything through like an economic thing of like, well, I'm calculating kind of how much this is going to make me. Or if someone's like really concerned about 
their image or their, 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 you know, like mm-hmm. how they come across. Like it's all about how I'm perceived and they just get obsessed with that. Like there's a, um, there's a C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Great Divorce. And the premise of the book is like this parable of people in the afterlife. Like it's not a real depiction of the afterlife, but it's like a thought experiment. He's saying like, what would happen if you went into eternity and you still were obsessed with the thing that you were obsessed with? Like, do you still love the thing you chased after all your life? And what would you become? And so there's like one example of someone who is such a, uh, like a complainer and a gossip that they like go into eternity and all they do is grumble and complain and, rah, 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 and they actually turn into a grumble. You know what I mean? Like they, they become like the, the, they just, it's like this image of like, you just became the thing that you made your whole life about. Um, and I think that really happens with us. Or you could ask the question, they became worthless in comparison to what? Hmm. So if you, we're talking about the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. So if you dial it back to God's promise to Abram, who became Abraham, and he said, your family's going to become a great nation. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, right? And so if you think about it in terms of God's purposes for that group of people, they were to be a people set apart for the worship of Yahweh. And through that group of people, they were to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, right? And so in some ways, I'd have to check myself on this, but maybe it's they became worthless in light of God's actual intention and purpose for them as a nation. Yeah. I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to look at that further, but either, either way, they become worthless. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't do what they were made for. Like their, their function, you know? Yeah, I thought there's another scary picture in here too. Like even verse 17, it says they sacrifice their sons and mm. daughters in the fire. I mean, that's a, that is, that's terrifying to think that someone um, could have been so like controlled and fixated on this false God that they literally thought wanted them to sacrifice their kids. You yeah. know what I mean? And that, and that, that happened and that's sad, you know what I mean? And God would have never wanted, God, God, like, seriously? I, I don't even know what to say about that. I read that and I just think like, I, you know, you just, you hear stories of like that happening even today, you know, like people, people hurting people. And you yeah. think like, how, how is that even okay? Well, and you, you, you think about the story of how they began with Abraham and Isaac, like, the part of what uh, God was doing when he said, go sacrifice Isaac was to eliminate that idea from their, their culture completely to say, no, actually I don't want you to do that. Like their founding story was no, your, your offspring, the net, the next generation is so precious because they carry that promise. Um, and, but again, like people do this, like it's not just the violent sorts of things. Like if you think about people um, sort of metaphorically sacrificing their loved ones to the thing that they made their life all yeah. about, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like their kids suffered because they were all about their career or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Like those are those are the things that really happen. Um, and so, like, there's yeah, it's, it's a sobering thing. Yeah, that that is another way to look at it too. It yeah. it feels like momentum to me, like cultural momentum. Mm. And it moved in this case, it moves in the direction of evil. Like Clayton, even when you were saying, you, I think you said like drum beat or rhythm. You said something something about that, right? And as you're reading through Second Kings and you're reading all these accounts and. It, it uses the same phraseology and, you know, is this not all written in the annals of the kings of Israel? And, right, and so it, it feels like it is a drumbeat that's picking up pace. Yeah. And it, it is a momentum that's getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, 
and sometimes I wonder, and it talks about like, and I sent the prophet, I kept sending the prophets, but all this momentum was building up. And, and, the, and the word picture in my head is, you ever do that silly thing in an above ground pool where everyone gets on the outside and just keeps walking around the outside? In, no, you're, in the <laughs> you're in the pool. You're in. I'm like very curious now. You get, yeah, right? you get in the above ground pool and you just, everyone starts walking in the same direction around the perimeter of the pool, like in the pool yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah. And the water starts swirling. Oh, it makes like a whirlpool. Kind yeah. Of thing? yeah. 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 Huh. And like the, obviously the more the momentum picks up, you can just keep riding the momentum. But huh. if you try to stop or push the, the yeah. whirlpool the other way, it's really hard. And that's the word picture in my head. Like these prophets show up and they're speaking into the culture. And, mm. But all of this evil momentum has picked up. And I just wonder how hard it is to stop the evil exactly. momentum and get it moving in the right direction again. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but this, the construction of Second Kings really does its job yeah. when it lands on this conclusion. Yeah, for sure. You're like metaphors and analogies are on point. Yeah. Got scarecrows, scarecrows, above ground pools, pools. I attribute it all to the fact that we started with time ambiguous banter. For <laughs> 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 sure, it put me Just in my it put me in my sweet spot. <laughs> uh, I I've got another observation here. Um, there is a uh, a parallel here between what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. So um, when God said, "I'm going to give you this land." He was in essence saying, we're going to do a do-over here, Garden of Eden. You're going to live with me. You're going to be my people. You're going to be in this place, and I'm going to provide for you in that. Um, and then, of course, the, the assumption is you're not going to go you know, do what Adam and Eve did again and betray me and, and, and turn, turn away and disobey. Um, God gives them a lot longer leash than Adam and Eve, um, but the same thing happens. They turn away from him. They, they pursue the thing they wanted instead of God, and then they are removed from the land. They're kicked out of the garden again. Um, and so it's you're supposed to feel that parallel of exile from God's presence, because it keeps saying God's presence is the result of sin. And that's even the image when you get to the end of the Bible, when it talks about the, the city of God is coming down and it's, you know, all, all that's in there. But outside of the city are all of the, you know, the thieves and the immoral. And they, they list all the unrepentant people who are cast out on the outside of where God's presence is. And so um, that that image is one that carries through the Bible. And in this case, a very literal way, they're kicked out of land. Yeah. So when, when God makes his promise and covenant with Abraham, he gives him a certain territory, land. When the Israelites are coming out of slavery in Egypt, of course, they're moving to, we always say it, the promised land because it was promised to Abraham. And now they're getting kicked out of the promised land land. And so there's a, there's a certain amount of symmetry there that's, that we're supposed to catch. Uh, can we do a little bit of Bible trivia? For, <laughs> Let's try. So this, this is the, the portion of the story where the, the tribes of Israel get taken into captivity into Assyria. And for those of you listening, if you've ever heard someone use the phrase, the lost tribes of Israel, here's what this is referring to. Later on in the story, we're going to see that Judah also gets taken into exile uh, the Babylonian empire rises. They get taken into captivity, exile into Babylon. But at a certain point, they return back to Judah. So we have the story of the, that returning tribe. We do not have historically any account of what happens to all of these Northern, Northern territory Israelites that get taken into captivity. That's why they're referred to as the lost tribes of Israel. Yeah, they never, they never reassemble. There, there are little scraps in the New Testament where someone will be like, from the tribe of Simeon or from the tribe of Benjamin or something, but it's not like they ever got together again. Like the band broke up and there was no reunion. 
All right. Let's uh, let's move on to let's do meditation first for the first M here. I I am really drawn to that um, that verse about the the, the becoming worthless. So let's let, let me read this. We're going to give you forty five seconds to ponder this, um, and and uh, maybe a question to go along with this verse is, uh, what is it you are giving your heart to? You know, what are you worshiping, and how is it shaping you? So you if you're, if you're worshiping that, you become like it. So let me let me read this to you. It says they followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. 45 seconds to ponder that. Next M in comma is message. So what message do you formulate from this passage? You know, uh, for me, like that, that was, a, that was definitely a line that stood out to me about the becoming worthless. But I think that the main line that stood out to me was this, was verse nine, is that the Israelites secretly did things against the Lord that their God that were not right. And, um, there's a false assumption that you can uh, hide things from God, like that he doesn't see what you think or what you do. And um, I think my message would, would be uh, that there is nothing done in secret that God doesn't see. Right, my, my message is that God's purposes for your life can be forfeited mm. by worshiping the wrong things, be, that that whole becoming worthless, I can't shake the notion that for all of us, there's like a calling on our lives. There's a purpose for our lives. There's roles we play. For me, it's as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, and those are sacred callings. And there are there are the purposes of God embedded in those roles, and you can you can forfeit that in terms of the purposes of God being accomplished by engaging in, you know, we got the list that we just read, so I won't, I won't repeat them all, but uh, you, can, you can forfeit the purposes of God. Uh, my message, I, I, I said this before, but from that, that verse about following worthless idols, um, we become like what we worship. We become like what we worship. And, and I guess I'll, I'll, I'll flip it to the positive side of that. Um, the bad news is that if you worship something worthless, you become worthless. But the good news is that if you worship the one true God, you become like him. Now that, that is an astounding thing that that could be true. You know, we were made in the image of God. And so to worship him, we actually become more what we are made to be. We become more human by looking at God. And it, there's, there's a verse in Second um, Corinthians that talks about uh, going from one degree of glory to another as we behold the face of God in Jesus. So you look at Jesus and you say, he is amazing. 
and, and it's not even uh, just a, like, a, now I'm going to try to be like him. It's like, there's something that just sort of um, naturally happens as you become more in love with him. You think he's more amazing. It rubs off on you and you become like that. And there is something tr- truly exciting, truly exciting that it could go the opposite direction of second Kings, right? Like, it, and, and for, for those of us who worship Jesus, it will uh, go that way, that we would become like God uh, and be with him forever. So you become like what you worship. All right, let's talk about application. How do we respond? What do we do in, in, with, with this passage? Uh, if I'm basing my application off of my message, which I will, um, if I, what did I say? Uh, there's nothing done in secret that God doesn't see. Um, if I look at it in two ways, there is the sin aspect of it, right? Like there are uh, hidden sins that people have in their life. that would be addictions. It could be, uh, I don't know, a, a rough patch in a person's marriage, right? Like there, it, it could be an any number of things, right? There is nothing done in secret that God doesn't see. And what he wants is for people to come forward and find healing and restoration from those things um, to bring them out into the light to not have them be a secret anymore. And then when I also look at the other side of it too, is there are a lot of people who harbor these secrets in them where it's like, I've got it all put together and I'm okay and I'm healthy or I'm not struggling with, you know, any number of things. Uh, And it's, you you just have to trust that you can bring those things to God and you can bring those things to, um, to people that care about you and find, find the help that you need to, to get freedom from them. I want to, I want to jump in on that just because I, I feel like, and I, you, you guys can tell me if you think that's true, but I, I feel like when I encounter people as, as pastors, we're talking to people who they made a train wreck of something in their life. Um, other than things that are external circumstances, you know, a diagnosis or, you know, something that yeah. just came in. But when someone comes to us and says, things are falling apart in my life, I, I would say almost a hundred percent, like 95% of the time, there is some level of secrecy that that either is causing it or intensified how much destructiveness it is is going on with wh- whatever that is. Sometimes people will say they'll be, be very quick, but it's usually not destroying them. You know what I mean? Like there there, there are lots of conversations. Oh, I'm working on this. I'm uh, you know I want to get better at that. But those are people who are already walking in the light. Like they're they're that the fact that they're talking about it is the reason why they're healthy. Um, but when it comes down to I I'm desperate. I don't know what to do. Almost always there was secrecy. So if 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 someone is listening to this and you're saying I I know I've got a secret, I just I want to tell you it may seem like coming into the light is the worst thing that could possibly happen, um, but I tell you the opposite is the case. Staying in the dark will be more destructive than coming forward and saying we got to deal with this. Eric, what's your application? Wow, I'd almost I almost don't want to follow that. <laughs> I feel like that's where the that's where the episode should end. Uh, can I do that? Can I just reemphasize that? Yeah, totally. Man, there is healing and hope in the light. And God already knows. Like, we're not hiding anything from him. He just wants us to be honest about it. And there's hope and healing and forgiveness. So what Clayton just said, if there's a secret, bring it out in the light. All right, well, that's where we're going to end this episode. Thank you for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.